So if you get where you want to go, will you have found what you were looking for? Again, if you get where you want to go, will you have found what you are looking for? The Magi or wise men offer three gifts, and today I'd like to offer you three questions, three questions to unpack and, and ponder. I think this is a time of year at the end of the year, and as we begin a new one in which we're pondering, we're asking questions about where have we been and what has happened in the last year and where are we going and what will unfold in the year ahead and what resolutions will I make and so forth. And so I want to offer you three questions today. And the first question is, if you get where you want to go, will you have found what you were, were looking for? There were three uh, kind of young adult, kind of high school, uh, older adolescents in this family that I met over the holidays. And so I asked them each the age-appropriate question, like, where are you applying to college? What is your major? What will you do after college, right? right? Age-appropriate questions. And I feel like a lot of life is like that, where you almost could tell the kids just like press play in the back of their neck. I am applying to blah, 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 right? So they've been asked these questions so many times. And there's sort of this way in which life, there's this sort of this, this pattern that we're supposed to, to go on, right? The, the next step on this treadmill, because we've got to make this team so we can make that team so we can make that team, right? Or get this promotion so we can get that promotion so we can get that promotion, right? Get into this college, we can get into that program so we can get into this program, right? We know how this how this works, and, and my question becomes, if you, if you actually get where you want to go, will you have found what you are looking for? You know, I, I remember, uh, so this is the Christmas season, and, uh, and about 30, 35 years ago in that time frame, my brother and I, every year, would, would write down that we want a Nintendo for Christmas, right? And, and uh, we wanted to be able to play Super Mario Brothers like everybody else. And one thing I remember about Mario is that, you know, I finally figured out how to be level 1-1, one, one, level 1-2, level 1-3, and level 1-4. And then you got to level 1-4, and you rescued the princess, only to find out that that wasn't the real princess you had to rescue, that you had to go on to more. And again, I think life can become like that. Life can become like this video game where we're always challenged to get to the next carrot, the next sales goal, the next promotion, the next house, the next investment, and when we get there, we, we realize right away that it wasn't as good as we wanted, but before we can deal with the emptiness, there's another carrot we have to move on to. Turns out that life played as a video game will always lose. We will always lose because the thing that we're so often hungry for, which is a sense of happiness, wholeness, and contentment, that it turns out that you can't ever get those by searching for them. Happiness, a sense of content, those people that exude that sense in their lives. This is always that, that joy and that happiness. It's a, it's a byproduct of character and faith. Again, the people that exude that in their life, they're not people that spent their whole life chasing it, but they're people who sought first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Again, seeking first the kingdom of God and its righteousness is what ultimately will lead to those other things. The Christmas season is a season of reflecting on the mystery of God becoming one of us 
as well as starting to ponder its implications for our lives. What does it mean that God chooses to become one of us? I think there's a challenge and an invitation then to seek Christ and his kingdom first in our lives. For you see, when we, when we seek the kingdom of God, then we know we have already won because of what Christ has done. And really, life then simply becomes the unfolding adventure of figuring out our role to play in God's story. But again, my, my first question for you as we wrap up 2023 and head into 2024 is, if you get where you want to go, will you find what you were looking for? The second question that I want to ask you, and I would invite you to ponder, is the people in your life, are they people for the party or are they people for the feast? And what I mean uh, by this is that I think that God puts all sorts of people in our lives. And some of those people, they just come in and they, they move on. But there was a purpose for that interaction. So I think about this, this story, right, where the, the wise men, they're following the star and they actually find what they're looking for in Jesus. But along the way, they, they stop at, at King Herod's and there's and the likely all the servants get out this food then, and there's a little soiree, a party for these foreign guests, and they have their questions, and, and, and they have this gathering. And uh, the scribes at the party, they point, they point the, the magi or the wise men in the right direction. They say, no, you want to go to Bethlehem. And this can happen where in life we're, we're meeting people, and maybe not just at a party, but at a job, at, in a class at school, on a team. And they don't end up becoming part of our long-term story, but they reveal something to us. They were put there for a reason, or we were put there for a reason in their life. Maybe they offer us some tip, or they know somebody, or they empathize with us, or just, again, there was something beautiful in, in that conversation. And this can happen again, and we give thanks for those people, and those, again, they're, they're friends for the party. But then there are friends for the pea feast, and I'm thinking about the, the magi on, on their journey, the people that were really with them on the spiritual journey. And one of the most painful things in life is to realize that people we thought were friends for the feast turn out to only be friends for the party. There was a, a friend of mine, a generation older, and um, he, his wife died, and as he was grieving his wife, he was trying to go out with, with people and still be social. And as it turned out, he was quite wealthy. And so uh, there was one party, and there were all these people there. And uh, one of his friends of the party came up to him and said, well, you know, the nice thing is that, you know, with all the money you have, any of these women, will, they'll, they'll just fawn over you. And it was that realization again in the man's heart that the woman he wanted to be with, no money and all, all the money in the world wasn't going to bring her back. And he realized this was a friend for the party not a friend for the feast. Friends for the feast are people that walk with us in life's spiritual journeys, seeking first the kingdom. I remember uh, a few years back, it was Christmas Day, and, and uh, we had, that was the year we did the service outside on sort of the day before Christmas Eve with the, with the bonfires and everything. But on Christmas Day, we had a broadcast service and we invited people that wanted Holy Communion to come and come to the parking lot. Well, there was a, 
there was uh, two women from Luther Acres, and one of them was named Pat Gurfin, and I actually just was, was uh, doing, I did Pat Gurfin's funeral this last week, so I've been thinking about her. And she was 93 in six months. It turns out that once you're over 90, you again go back to life like you were before five, and you count six months at a time. Like, you get, you get the half years after 90. So anyway, so, uh, so I've been thinking about Pat, and, but I remember, again, Pat was this day at, at Holy Communion, and that was the time when everything was so uncertain. There were, especially she was over at Luther Acres, and any of these continuing care communities had lots of lockdowns. Um, it was just a really hard time. And, uh, but, but she was here, and she was in the car with another woman, and they both had on their masks in the car. And I went out, and I gave them communion after worship. And it was just a beautiful moment. I think, wow, like what, what motivated them to, to come to worship and to come together? The woman she was with was, is a woman named Joanne, uh, Joanne Snavely. And it turns out that Pat and Joanne, they have been uh, friends since they were in their 20s, over 70 years. And they were part of a, a women's circle, what we might call a small group today, called Faith, Hope, and Charity. And so over the years, they did all sorts of things together in the church. They prayed together. They uh, read scripture together. They served other people. They did fundraisers and so forth. They raised their kids together. And so years later, in the midst of a really trying, really lean time of life, there they were together, fellow journeyers in the car, uh, ready to receive communion on what was a truly miserable weather day in the midst of, of all of that um, pandemic. So again, the, the friends for the feast are those that are with us on that, that journey. And if you're somebody who feels like, wow, I've, I've got some friends at the party, but I need friends for the feast, let's talk. Let's talk, because I really want you to have those friends for the feast as well. So again, my, my second question is, the people with you, are they friends for the party, which isn't a bad thing, or do you have some friends for the feast, people who will accompany you really on life's spiritual journey? The last question that I would have for you as we again reflect on the new year and the story of the Magi is what will you have to leave behind to move ahead? Again, what will you have to leave behind to move ahead? And so the Magi, right, they've got to leave behind their family, their friends, their life, their, their creature comforts to go on a very long journey long before any mass transit, right? They've got to leave some stuff behind. And I think all of us, as we head into the new year, there's a few things I think we'd be happy to leave behind. Perhaps a few pounds, maybe some financial debt, maybe some Amazon purchasing habits. But it turns out that the Magi, I think, have to leave something deeper behind. Along the way, the, the Magi also are going to have to leave behind their expectations. Right? They go to the palace. They go to the place where they think the Poobah is going to be, where the king of the Jews should be. They were wrong. Their expectations weren't correct. And instead, they've got to go to a far more modest manger scene to worship and to praise Jesus. And on the way back, they've got to go a way that they hadn't planned on going. They've got to leave behind their expectations and their plans, what they had intended to do. Again, it turns out in life that the easier things to leave behind are often the creature comforts. The harder things to leave behind 
our, our attitudes. And so what do you need to leave behind? Maybe it is an expectation. I think in life we often have expectations that aren't really based in Scripture. They're not really based in reality, and we constantly live in disappointment that they're not being met. Maybe it's a grudge. There's a grudge that you have with somebody, and that just is weighing you down. It's not benefiting you. It's not benefiting them, and it needs to be left behind that you might move ahead. Maybe there's a toxic person that you know you just have to somehow put distance between you and this person. Maybe it's a fear, a fear that drives you and consumes you that you just know you need to leave behind. Or maybe, even most darkly, there's an addiction, something that really eats at you and draws you away from the people that you love, that you would long and love to leave behind. So again, what will you need to leave behind as we move, as you're called to move ahead? I think in many ways this is the most challenging thing, though, it's really hard. It's really hard to leave those, those things behind. So if you could think about my sermon, I've talked about sort of what we're aiming for in life. You could maybe relate that to gold, and you could think about friends and faith related to frankincense and worship, but that would leave myrrh. And myrrh is a strange and curious gift to give to a child because myrrh is used as an embalming spice. It's kind of really a twisted gift to give to a young mother and father and a child and say, here's what you can use to bury your child, your son one day. It's a foreshadowing, a prophecy of what is to come for Jesus. For we know that Jesus Christ is the one who will die for us, who will one day not simply be a baby, but the one who dies on the cross. And my sense is that it's really in our walk with Christ that we have to learn to, to give up and to leave things behind. It's not so simple to say, wow, I've really been mad at that person for six months, and so like, done with that. Or wow, I'm going to change the way I've been eating and exercising for 15 years. Like that. It doesn't work that way. The change of the heart, the change of those attitudes, that's really a work with Christ. And so we discover is that Christ isn't so much the end or the goal, but Christ is the one who accompanies us, accompanies us into a new year. For it is in Christ whom we can give our hurts, our sins, our brokenness, our fears, our resentments, and our grief. And we can give those to Christ. And Christ can do what only Christ can do, and that is that Christ can take them into his body and put them to death in the cross. And then as he is raised up, give us day by day, day by day, the new life and give us the strength then to seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Amen.